Hello, and welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I've got Darcy with me as usual. Darcy, how are you tonight? I'm doing okay. I'm exhausted. I just got back from New Orleans. I went to the Final Four, and I've been working all day, and I'm just trying to catch up on my life, but it's a fun few, for a few days, but I'm too much of an introvert to do all that. <laughs> yeah, you need to rest and recharge now. You need a I'm vacation so from your exhausted. vacation. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't work during that time that you were there? I did. That's the thing. Mm. Yeah. Fun stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, my mom was here and she finally left yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm quite relieved to have my house back. Yeah. Bless the moms out there, but how long did she stay with she you? She was here for like two weeks. Okay. Yeah. It's a little bit challenging. Look, I got a new office chair. What? I see Stop that. It. My mom, when like she would come out and visit me when I was in California or um, when I was in Kentucky, and she would stay like she would always like clean the house, but always like put things not where I put them, put things where she yeah. would normally put them. Yeah. And it's just like oh my gosh, I'm just ready to like get back to my way of doing. It. Like it's appreciated that she would clean the house, but then you also want to get back to your way of doing things. Yeah. So I'm adulting now. I finally bought right. an office chair. Yeah. <laughs> I've been using a kitchen chair for like two years now. Nice. And I was like, oh shoot, maybe I should try to like, you know, be mature and get an office chair, a <laughs> real office chair. Yeah. So I'm pretty impressed with myself. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> this one <Grown> purchase. <laughs> anyway, um, we're going to talk about a really interesting case today. Um, probably won't be a hugely long episode because I got a ton of work to do and you're pretty tired too from the amount of work it sounds like you're doing so yeah man we're gonna keep it relatively short but it's a case that I find absolutely friggin fascinating and I know you do too we're gonna talk about the Turpin family today man oh man yeah just wait there's more (laughs) but just wait (laughs) you're gonna pay $39.99 for this but (laughs) you only have to pay $29.99 and wait there's more you get freebies (laughs) but wait (laughs) No, seriously. In all seriousness, um, this is a really, really challenging case for some people. Um, It can also be triggering. It talks about Mm -hmm. child abuse, neglect, um, and things of that nature for some young kids. So if that's something that triggers you, turn the episode off, because that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay, we're going to take a little trip to Paris. No, not France. Right. Paris, California. Where even is that? But wait. Oh. (laughs) There's more. I always do that to you. (laughs) This is a smallish suburban city in the Inland Empire of Southern California. So it sits about 70 miles from L.A. Mm -hmm. and about 20 miles south of the beautiful Southern California city of Riverside. Have you ever been to Riverside? I have never been to Riverside. um, Riverside Riverside is interesting. (laughs) It's an interesting place. That's all I can say. Yes, like I'm familiar with why with Riverside and you know it doesn't have I'm beaches, all. it doesn't have anything spectacular. Oh, yeah. It's just I'm all set. I don't need to go to Riverside. Interesting place. If you're from yeah. Riverside, please don't send us hate mail. <laughs> anyway, um, so it's about 20 miles from Riverside, and it's an affordable kind of a housing place. Which and there's not much else about Paris. I don't know if you've ever okay. been to Paris either. I have driven through, but uh, there's no. not really anything that you want to stop there for. 
No, most of my trips in California stayed along the coast because, yeah. you know, for obvious reasons. If you live in Southern California and, you know, you know about Southern California, you know that the housing there is notoriously unaffordable. It is yeah. very expensive. It is hard to get a starter home. It is hard to afford a normal home with a normal salary there. Yeah. And so people go into these sleepy little bedroom type communities like Paris, buy a house there and then commute to Riverside or LA right. or whatever. That's kind of how they do things in that particular area. It's just like if you live in San Diego, you get a house in like Escondido and then you commute in or you get a house right. in like El Cajon where it's much cheaper to own and then you commute, right? Yeah. And that's what I think the majority of people in Paris do because it's not like there's a whole lot of huge industry in Paris, California. Mm -hmm. It's housing, right? The little town was actually formed around a lake created in 1973 and it's in the Lake Paris State Recreational Area. So. Okay. That little recreational area is one of the nicer places, I guess, you could visit in that area. And some people come to go to that. But I don't really think people come from large distances to come to Paris, California. Sure. Or the Paris, Lake Paris State Recreational Area. They're not going to yeah. be like, hey, what do you want to do for a vacation this year? And they're like in Paris. They're like in Delaware. And they're like, yeah, I want to go to Paris, California. No. Yeah. No one it's does It's more that. like, it's a, like a neighborhood lake. Yeah. So our story actually takes place on Muir Woods Road. And this is a charming little subdivision with palm tree lined streets and Mediterranean style houses, which for some reason, why does there, why are there so many Mediterranean style houses in Southern California? It's the style, like that's like, just how it is. When, I mean, it's not the Mediterranean. Over, especially like the develop, like the neighborhood developments. Yeah. Like all the new mansions and stuff. Like, it's straight up Mediterranean style. They're all the same, yeah. And you got these little tiny postage stamp type lawns between these really closely spaced homes because mm -hmm. they want to try to fit in as many of these larger homes into the area right. as they can because that's what people are demanding. They want bigger houses, they want them cheaper, and they want them, you know, more space, but they right. don't want a big yard to take care of. Yeah. So, you know, and that's the charm of this is you can go get a little tiny postage stamp size lawn so you don't really have to do any maintenance or you can do a drought free and, and they just don't have big yards in these mm -hmm. places, right? So David Allen Turpin, we're going to, let, let's take a step backwards for a moment here and talk about okay. our, our main characters here. David Allen Turpin, he's one of them and he was born October 17th, 1961. His parents, Betty and James, lived in Princeton, West Virginia, and were very religious. And that's about all we know about this guy. Okay. Not a lot of information out there about David Allen Turpin or why he has his hair in such a crazy, yeah, weird, bowl-cut fashion. But we're not going to go there for now. You'll see when we post the pictures on Instagram. His hair is just yeah. insane. Anyway. Um, okay. Uh, besides that, there are very, there's very little information about this guy and his early life. However, he was very intelligent because he maintained jobs at computer engineering positions with companies like Lockheed Martin and Northrop Grumman for many years. Oh, wow. So, uh, if you know anything about those companies, is they're, they're big time, like, um, aerospace engineering, um, mm -hmm. things of that nature, consulting, um, and to be a computer engineer you gotta have some kind of intelligence right yeah otherwise you wouldn't be able to do that it's it's an extremely it's an extremely complex job and he worked a lot of years for some really big name companies so he had something going for him there okay then we have Luis Anna Turpin 
and she was David's lovely bride. She was born as a Robinette, though. That was her last name, her maiden name. Okay. Um, May 24th, 1968. Okay. Her parents, Phyllis, not a name you hear very often. That's my grandma's name, by the way. Oh. And Wayne also started their family in Princeton, West Virginia. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay, so Louise is the oldest daughter of six children raised by a preacher at an evangelical church. Okay. So if you know anything about evangelical churches, it's... There's a lot of... We've talked about a good bit about it. Yeah. There's a lot of really, like, straight-up, very strict religious um, principles that are supposed to be followed. No sex before marriage, no drugs, no drinking. You know, it's it tends to be a little bit more um, straight-laced mm-hmm. in their take on things. Okay? And the mother was a Walmart cashier, and she sang in the church choir, which sounds kind of stereotypical for, like, the, the stereotypical West Virginia... Like a small town. Yeah, yeah, lady, right? Her parents were very, very strict and fought continuously, punishing the children for almost any infraction. You know, mm-hmm. they dropped something, you get punished. They got a bad grade, you get punished. They didn't drink all their milk at the dinner table, they get punished. So, like, mm-hmm. any, regardless of how small it was and how average it might seem to every other person, they were punished for it. Okay. Um, the family was hiding a very big secret, though. Luis, her sisters, her, and her mother were all sexually abused for many years by a rel- male relative. Which, oh. yeah, I didn't know about that part either. Yeah. And for this reason, Luis was very protective of her siblings. Mm-hmm. She was known to have been soft-spoken, sweet, loving, and often kind of sort of trying to sh- uh, shield her siblings from her parents' anger. Mm-hmm. And attempt to kind of smooth things over. She was a peacemaker. Didn't you say she was the youngest? No, she was the oldest. Oh, she's the oldest. Oldest of okay. six kids, right? Okay. She's the peacemaker. Gotcha. Okay. So, Luis and David meet in the early 1980s when she was 15 and he was 22. Okay. And guess where they met? In Princeton? Church. Ah. Because okay. they both come from very religious families. And sure. I think in a lot of those cities type Mm-hmm. West Virginia cities and other places, you know, that's where you meet in church. Oh, yeah. That's common. I mean, that's common around here. Yeah. So, anyway, they soon become an item, but they don't want to let anyone in either of their families know, particularly Luis's family, because they believe that the family would put a stop to it because kids aren't supposed to be dating and there's a whole thing. He's older than her and technically uh, that's statutory rape and, right. like, there's a whole list of reasons why they don't want her family to know about this relationship so they attempt to keep it a secret however the mother finds out and uh louise's mother finds out all right and she kind of accepts it which was kind of a surprise to them and she accepts it because she says quote i trusted my daughter and this was a good christian man and you know if they're gonna do it you know we we she should be with a christian man yeah okay but they do hide it from Luis's dad because they don't want him to get upset. And they okay. fear that if he finds out, he's going to blow up. Okay. Then in January 1985, David, 23 at the time, enters Princeton High School and convinces the school to let him take 16-year-old Luis out. And they make a run for the Texas border to elope. Whoa. Presumably because there's a lower age of consent to marry there. Uh-huh. But the authorities catch them and bring them back to West Virginia. Okay. I think her mother or somebody found out about it. Somebody kind of tipped them off. 
and yeah. they went and grabbed the, these two before they could get married. But at this point, the families were convinced that the two were going to marry regardless, and they eventually were allowed to marry February 11th, 1985, in Parisburg, Virginia. Okay. Okay. Unfortunately, though, just two short years later, the Robinettes divorced, Wayne stopped preaching, and he became a chief deputy assessor for Mercer County, West Virginia, for about 26 years. So their family kind of crumbled on the Robinette side after the couple got married and settled down okay. and decided to leave and everything. In the meantime, though, the Turpins lead a, a relatively sedate life. They distance, they distance themselves from the families, though. And the two give birth to a daughter in 1988, and then another in 1990 in Fort Worth, Texas, where David okay. gained employment with General Dynamics. Okay. So he's, again, got a, a computer engineering job and is presumably making good money, right? Mm -hmm. The couple could soon afford a nicer home, and they bought a house in Meadow Creek in an upscale neighborhood where Luisa's family was allowed to visit. So I don't believe David's family was involved, but Luis's family was. Right. And the family did well financially, and another child was born in 1991. So okay. it's three kids. However, all was not what it seemed, and the family ended up having to file for Chapter 7 bankruptcy that same year. Even so, they continued living above their means, and they had another child, which was a girl, in 1993. And I believe this is interesting. They named all their children with J names. A couple of them have given interviews. A couple of the adult children have given interviews. I listened to an episode of, I believe it was either 2020 or Dateline about the case, and they didn't say her name. It was a young woman that did the interview. Yeah, so there are sisters in this in the article I have that, that you have their names. Oh, their names are on there? Uh-huh. Do we want to say them or do we want to protect their identity? Uh, we can say them. Jennifer and Jordan. Okay, so they all had J names, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and during this time, the Turpins paid all expenses for Luisa's family to visit multiple times. And no one expected that or even saw that there was anything wrong. They just weren't, you know, they were thinking, we've got this all, exp all expense paid vacation. They look like they're doing well, but, you know, they're spending above their means. Who's going to know that they're not able to pay their bills? Who's going to know that they filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy? No one knows so, these kind of things, right? Do you know the difference between Chapter 7 and Chapter 11 bankruptcy? Chapter 7 is where you just declare, here's my debts, here's my, um, my assets, and whatever you owe after you get exemptions for certain things, like there's exemptions for your house, your mm -hmm. car, so they, they won't take everything away. But typically, mm -hmm. if you have assets like a bunch of property and a bunch of money, you have to declare that in the bankruptcy, and they'll use that to pay off your debts, and then the slate is washed clean. You're done. With a Chapter 11 bankruptcy, that's where you have a payment plan, where they oh. you do the same thing, but you have to pay for, and the judge will determine whatever period of time you'll pay for. So okay. you could pay for three years. You could pay for five years. They'll determine that based upon your salary, your ability to pay, and how large your debt is. Gotcha. Okay. I did practice bankruptcy law for a short period oh, of time. Oh, see, I'm so. glad I asked that question. Anyway, so they declared the, the one where they just declare all their assets, all their debt, and the judge says, okay, we'll give you an exemption for your house and for your car, and the rest we're going to write off. Gotcha. Certain things are not dischargeable in bankruptcy, like um, student lawsuits, loans. student loans, um, things of that nature. So, mm -hmm. 
um, interesting. But you can actually get things like back taxes discharged in bankruptcy as well, which is interesting. Oh. And increasingly, they're looking at the ability to discharge student loans in bankruptcy because there have been some major landmark cases in the last, I don't know, year where they actually were allowed to discharge the bankruptcy, but there had to be some pretty extenuating circumstances in order to get that discharge. But oh, anyway, interesting. different story. Okay. So, at this time, the oldest children were starting school in September 1994. The oldest child was getting to the age where she needed to go to school. Mm -hmm. And so, she shows up for school and is showing obvious signs of neglect. Like, her clothes are dirty, she's not bathing, she's got poor hygiene and habits, she's really mm -hmm. shy and withdrawn, and she's kind of the smelly kid, mm -hmm. which sucks. Like, no one wants to be the smelly kid. But it's not her fault, though, right. and I'll kind of explain why. And then in 1995, another son was born, and the family is continuing to travel and spend money that they don't have during this whole time. Okay. Okay, okay. so during this time, one of Luisa's sisters comes to stay with the family, and she finds out this really weird and creepy secret about David and Luis. Evidently, they were secretly participating in and trying to keep everyone else in the dark because it was a sin, but they were doing kind of a swinger thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they were sleeping around, finding people on Craigslist, and, like, doing this whole thing where she would sleep with some. He'd find her someone to sleep with on Craigslist, and he would drop her off, and she would go do it. Mm -hmm. uh, interesting. Which, again, is fine. But they have this very, consenting. very strict religious right. background, claiming that that is evil and immoral, but yet they're sneaking around and doing it. Right. And sure. they stop going to church. They start arguing a little bit more. And... David also begins um, calling Luis a bad influence at that time, saying that she lost all their money because David and Luis are actually gambling at this time as well. Really? They're going to casinos, and they're spending a lot of money gambling. Hmm. And this is when people start to notice how controlling the Turpins are with their children. The kids were not allowed to eat or go to the bathroom without permission, and they didn't receive any affection. And... This is also when the sister is visiting. She's starting to notice these things. And she sees that David would randomly wander into the bathroom pretending like, oh, whoops, I didn't know you were showering. Uh, well, now that I'm here, let me let me try to watch you in the shower. Just no, super creepy. And the kids keep coming. Another one in 1997. And the oldest Turpin, though, the oldest Turpin child is sent to the principal's office, though, because her teachers feared that her poor hygiene was a possible sign of sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. Which can sometimes be the case and sometimes not. Right. However, but it's good that her teachers are observing that. Yeah. Yeah. They're seeing that there's something going on. They don't know yeah. what it is and they can't pinpoint it, but they're starting to see, yes, there is something going on. However, though, no action is taken and Child Protective Services in Texas were never notified that anything was mm. amiss. Okay. Another female child was born in 1998 and David and Louise keep gambling keep spending all their money and living well above their means. In 1999, the oldest child was pulled from school and none of the others, none of the others were ever sent to school. And mm. the family insisted the kids were being homeschooled, but they were actually not receiving any right. kind of schooling whatsoever. The bank then foreclosed on the Turpin home in 1998. And it was said that it was a disgusting mess when they left. They went as far as to smear poop on the walls before leaving. 
I think there's some speculation that they were kind of irritated and mad that their house had been foreclosed upon and they were like, mm -hmm. we are going to destroy this place so that the next owners suffer. Or mm -hmm. we're going to do as much damage as we can because they're going to take it away anyway. Yeah. Right? A seventh child was born in 1999 before the Turpins moved to Rio Vista, Texas, which is a very small town about 40 miles south of Fort Worth. Okay. Okay. The Turpins then cranked out five more children between 2001 and 2007. So this is just like a, a nonstop pregnancy for this poor woman. So by then they have a dozen kids. Mm -hmm. And they're all suffering from abuse and neglect. They have been slapped, choked, whipped, and punished for using the bathroom without asking. The kids are only allowed to bathe once a year. Oh, my God. And are giving, they're given very little food. And the, there's reports that they were given kind of frozen food, very, very cheap and inexpensive, very cheap and inexpensive frozen food and bologna sandwiches, which uh. <gasps> I hate bologna. I can't eat bologna. I ate bologna a lot as a kid, and I had one of those things where, like, I got sick after having a sandwich and I've never eaten bologna. Yeah, bologna again. is disgusting. Yeah. Um, I do remember, I don't know if I told this story or not, but my mom gave me a bologna sandwich one time um, when we were kids because it's cheap and we had a lot of kids yeah. too. And I wouldn't eat it. Number one, I don't like bologna. And number two, it had mm -hmm. mayonnaise on it and I don't like mayonnaise. Mm -hmm. So I, it was a lose-lose situation. And she yeah. told me, you're going to sit at that table until you eat that bologna sandwich. <laughs> And I sat at that table for yeah. a, an entire day. And she yeah. was like, well, let me heat it up in the microwave for you. Maybe that'll make it more appealing. And I was like, nope. mm -hmm. I never yeah. ate that sandwich. I sat there for two days. And finally, she just got mad and threw it away. Yeah. Anyway, that's how much I hate bologna. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the really crazy part is, though, that David and Louise were not doing the same thing for themselves. They were actually buying themselves all kinds of really good food. And the kids weren't allowed to touch it. So it was kind of like they were teasing them. They were having oh, Jesus. really like extravagant, delicious, yummy food, but they'd put it out and like tell the kids, if you touch this, you are going to be severely punished. Oh my God. Yeah. And they're teasing them with it. There are also toys and all kinds of fun looking play things in the house, but they were never taken out of the package and the kids weren't allowed to touch those either. Why? Like, what's the point? I don't, I think there's some kind of sadism something yeah, going on in this type horrible. of a situation where you just want to see these kids suffer which seems like yeah. what was going on okay as a result the kids are malnourished and they suffer from all kinds of poor health because they don't have proper nutrition they have delayed cognitive development because they've never received any socialization or education mm -hmm. and they're not allowed to leave the house so it's not like they're only allowed to socialize with each other and the family then becomes more and more isolated, only visiting with family members over Skype. And at that point, they're only allowed to talk one at a time, and they're supervised. Obviously, they're very socially awkward because they're not allowed to go anywhere or do anything, and people are starting to notice. Okay. During this time, police were called to the Turpin home twice, but not for child abuse. They were called there once in 2001 when a dog bit one of the children, which I don't know how that happened and who called 911. It's not really that clear. Right. And then they were called once in 2003 when their pet pig escaped and ate a bunch of the neighbor's dog food. They had a pet pig. Interesting. So they can't afford to feed their children and provide good nutrition. They can't afford well, to pay their bills because they declared bankruptcy, but they can have a pet pig. But, that's, but they're not saying they can't afford the food because they're buying it for themselves. They're buying, buying food and toys for the Clearly, they have. can't afford their expenses because they are declaring bankruptcy. Yeah, right. But anyway, it's 
neither here nor there at this point, but the Turpins move out of their current house in 2004 and into a very small mobile home because their real house was filled with garbage, dead rodents, and other nasty stuff. So in addition to malnourished children who are socially awkward because they're not being educated and socialized and poor food and nutrition and hygiene, these guys just don't clean. Yeah. So the house just is gradually filling up with garbage and refuse and excrement and dead animals and bugs and rodents and all kinds of other stuff, and they just don't seem to care. So instead of cleaning up, God forbid, and you've got 12 children... Why not have the kids clean? They don't clean up either. So the house is basically destroyed, and they just decide, oh, we're just going to get a mobile home instead of cleaning. And you've got these kids raising their siblings, and the parents are doing all kinds of other weird stuff at that point. So they're not going to regular church anymore, but they're doing things like snake handling. Do you know anything about snake handling? Yeah, I do. It's actually not, I mean, pretty big would be like a misstatement, but it's... It's not, it's certainly not unheard of in some rural parts of Alabama and actually like West Virginia too. And like tennis, like all of like Appalachia snake handling is a big part of what it. What is it? Um, I don't know exactly the names, like the terminology, but I know that the basic tenet of it is you, you handle venomous snakes because you have so much faith in God that God's going to protect you. Mm. And so, therefore, God will keep you from being bitten or being injured by these snakes. But if you are bitten or injured, it's because you weren't faithful enough. Wow. So it's like a, it's, there's no, like, there's always a reason for, like, the bad thing to happen. Wow. You know what I mean? And it's never, like, the religion. That's interesting. Issue of it. So they're doing snake handling. Yeah. In their home. Fun times, right? Yeah. By 2010, the Turpins had relocated yet again, this time to Murrieta, California, which is also in Riverside County, Southern Mm -hmm. California. And they're pretending that their lives are really normal, but they're going to Disneyland and they're wearing matching shirts and posting pictures on social media with this huge family. And it's pretending like everything is wonderful and normal and we're having an amazing time and look at our family and isn't this just the best thing ever? But... There's a lot going on in the background here. Mm-hmm. The Skype visits with the with Luisa's family had stopped. They would send family photos to them and say everyone was doing well, but they weren't allowed to visit, and they weren't allowed to have the Skype visits anymore. Mm-hmm. So in California, you've got this thing going on where they require kids age 6 to 18 to attend school. Okay? Okay. So this kind of presents a little bit of a problem because the Turpins want to homeschool their kids, but there's some requirements that they Mm -hmm. are unable to fulfill. So to combat this, David Turpin starts his own private school in their Marietta home in 2011. Hmm. He calls it Sand Castle Day School. Okay. He names himself both the principal and the administrator with six kids enrolled, which is interesting because uh, the rest of them aren't school age. Maybe. Probably. Yeah, they're probably aged out now because it's what, 2000? Uh, but, but it's 2011. Yeah, so the first one was born in 88. Wow. Hmm. So maybe just the ones that are within that 6 to 18-year-old range. Mm-hmm. By 2014, the Turpins relocate one final time to Paris, California, and the abuse and the violence had escalated by that point very significantly against the children. First, the kids were tied to their beds with rope, and then chains were attached for up to 20 hours a day. 
These kids were trapped in stench and filth. They were unable to bathe or clean themselves or even go to the bathroom. So they essentially had to go to the bathroom in their own bed, which mm-hmm. is just absolutely horrific. Then in 2015, Luis has a 13th child. At that point in time, the family travels to Las Vegas, where David and Luis were celebrating their 30th anniversary. They took lots of pictures of this Elvis-themed wedding, and were, there's even videos of the ceremony, which is online. Super, super creepy. If you have the chance mm-hmm. to look at them, like, this I've seen the pictures. family is so creepy. It's weird. So Sunday, January 14th, 2018, so we're skipping ahead a few years, one of the Turpin girls crawls out of a window. She's 17, but she's small mm-hmm. and malnourished, and she looks like 9 or 10. Right. She's holding a cell phone in one hand. Her 13-year-old sister also crawled out of the window, and it's really early. It's a little bit before 6 o'clock in the morning, and the older Turpin daughter walks quickly away from the house and calls 911 while the younger daughter goes back inside. Mm. Now, where this phone came from, I'm not really clear. I've heard varying different stories about it. Somebody said that one of the older siblings was allowed to leave or maybe one of Luis's family members snuck it to them. There's varying stories about where that cell phone came from. Okay. In any case, she has a cell phone and she calls 911. This 17-year-old tells the police that her parents are abusive and her siblings are chained to their beds. And of course, the police are dumbfounded. Yeah. The call was approximately 20 minutes long, and the Turpin daughter explained at that point all of the abuse and claimed to have pictures of it on her phone. Police quickly arrive to the house and look at the pictures, and again, they think she's like 9 or 10, not 17, because yeah. she's so malnourished and unhealthy looking. They knock on the door of the Turpin home, and a disoriented Luis appears. And the place just smells absolutely disgusting when the police Wait, enter. Wait, the mother was home? The mother was home. She didn't have a job, remember? She, he had a I job. I know, but like but it just for one of the kids to crawl out the window and call 911, she's just not. assumed. It was 6 o'clock in the morning, alone. so the mom presumably was still sleeping. I guess, wow. So anyway, Luis is standing at the door, and the place is absolutely filthy and just disgusting. It smells awful. And they see the kids are chained just like the, the daughter said they were. Mm-hmm. All 13 kids are taken from the home. The minors were taken to a medical center, and seven adults were taken to a different hospital. January 14, 2018, David and Louise Turpin were arrested in suspicion of child abuse and torture. Then, within four days, an additional 12 counts of torture, seven counts of abuse on an adult dependent, six counts of child abuse and neglect, 12 counts of false imprisonment were added in addition to some other varying charges. There was also one charge of lewd acts on a child under the age of 14, which I don't even know. I don't even want to know what that's about. It sounds yeah. awful. The smallest child was the only one that was not showing signs of malnourishment, torture, or abuse. Right. Both of the parents initially pleaded not guilty, and bail was set at $9 million for the two mm-hmm. of them, which is wow, right? The police hold a press conference shortly thereafter and detail the horrific abuse. Evidently, the children had been tied up, both, and they're adults by now too, so all of David right. and Luis's kids had been tied up and left in filth. They were chained, they were slapped, strangled, thrown downstairs. They had no ability to bathe more than once a year. They were starved and taunted with food. They had nerve damage from physical abuse. There was cognitive impairment, no basic knowledge of things like medicine or doctors. 
Um, they had toys and packaging that the kids were not allowed to touch or play with, and they were made to stay up all night, not allowed to sleep until like four or five o'clock in the morning. And there's some neighbors that reported at one point seeing the children marching in circles in the living room, like mm. wee hours of the morning, but they didn't think that they were allowed to say anything about it. And that was the parents keeping their kids awake all night till four or five right. o'clock in the morning, which, Jesus, wow. What is the point of that? Just torture? Like, it's got to be just sadism. Like, that's the only thing I can think of. Why would you do that to your kids? I was going to ask, like, if we ever got any kind of explanation or justification from them. But, I mean, not really. Um, The Turpins were barred from contacting their kids for three years initially. And were only allowed to contact the children through their lawyers. Okay. By February 22nd, 2019, the parents changed their pleas to not, or excuse me, changed their pleas to guilty of 14 counts of torture, abuse of dependent children, child endangerment, and false imprisonment. The kids actually faced their parents in court and read statements saying how they were finally allowed to live normal lives. Both parents and the kids were emotional through most of the, the um, testimony. The kids actually sounded like they didn't blame their parents, which is just wild. Well... That's all they've known for it's like Stockholm syndrome. Thirty years. Some it's basically like yeah. Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Both the parents were sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after twenty-five years. As of March twenty twenty-one, Luis was fifty-two and would be eligible for parole in, in twenty thirty-six at the age of sixty-seven. Okay. She is at the Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla, California. Okay, mm-hmm. David, age fifty-nine will be eligible for parole in also in 2036 at 74 years old. And he's at the California State Prison in uh, Corseron, California. The neighbors on this were actually very shocked because none of them really suspected the degree to which this torture was taking place in this house. How could you? I mean, how did your mind even I go don't there? know. And, you know, when you've got you know? the curtains drawn and, you know, you're yeah. very private, it's hard, right? Some neighbors did recall, though, as I mentioned, seeing the kids walking in circles late at night. They did notice how smelly and poorly kept the kids were, and they didn't think there was anything they could do about it. Which, yes, you can. You can can report them to Child Protective Services. So, again, it's one of those things where say something. It's better to say something and, and, and be wrong than not say anything and let something like this slip through the cracks. But the kids, a pro- were, the kids were a product of what David and Louise called what God called them to do. So, and what was that? To, to raise good, strong, intelligent, smart children by torturing them, evidently. I don't know. The kids have been reported to be doing well despite their rough start in life. Um, but as of the summer of 2019, seven of the adult children had moved in together and six of the younger ones were in foster homes. The kids have also been allowed to determine on their own if they can con- if their parents can contact them or not. So the court is no longer barring the parents from contacting them. The kids are allowed to make that decision on their own. The oldest okay. child was 30 during the trial, and she, along with the others, are taking classes, embracing life, and trying to live quiet, normal lives. But there is a side note to this. Yeah, so let's talk about what happens with these kids after... They were rescued. So the six youngest, the ones that were minors, were placed in foster care, um, six of them together. And 
They were placed in the home of Marcelino or Marcellino Olguin in Paris. So this is just nine miles away from the house they were rescued from. Um, his wife Rosa and their daughter Lenny's, and all three of them are now facing abuse involving the Turpin children. So the father is accused of molesting two of the sisters just months after the siblings were placed in his and his wife's care. Wow. According to the charging documents, he targeted two girls, one of whom was under 14, for sexual touching. He told them they were sexy, recommended they not wear undershirts. He forcibly kissed them and pulled a minor on top of them. Um, the couple are also abused of abusing another four children, including a five-year-old, force-fed sleeping pills, and made to stand in a corner for hours on end. That was another foster child that was not a turpin. So they had nine total foster children with wow. them. Um, and this is a this is an article that's in the Daily Mail. And when the reporters, I guess, went to Paris and like, uh, you know, put a, cam a camera in his face and you know asked if if he was a pedophile and all of this stuff, he said "f you" and then he ran and hid in, hid, hid in his garage. So um, they've also been charged with witness intimidation and fraud. Um, He's accused of touching them more than 50 times, 5-0. Um, How did this come to light? I'm just confused. I There's documentation now, I believe, that they have come forward with these, like the children have come forward with these allegations. And because the parents are certified foster parents in the state of California, uh -huh. which is a horrifying thing. So Riverside County is looking into how they got to be certified and... Obviously, they have no more children in their care right now. Right. Um, but the, the, the five-year-old that was not a turpin, they gave her sleeping pills and forced her to stand in a corner. They rang a bell in her ear, and they sprayed water in her face so she couldn't fall asleep. Ultimately, she ended up collapsing and falling on the tile floor. Um, Why? What? And they made her say the phrase, you don't let us sleep, we're not letting you sleep. Wow. Over and over again. Yeah. Um, so again, this this article, uh, you know, we'll share this. It has pictures of the wedding and the pictures of all of the kids like dressed all the same at Disneyland and at the the chapel and all the and all of the stuff. Um, they held one of the girls um, in in her room for nine. I think this is a five year old girl again. They held her, kept her in her room for nine hours a day, didn't change her diaper, and they frightened her by telling her there were spiders in the bathroom, and they forced her to stay in the bathroom. Oh my god! Um, which was dark and noisy and scary, and they actually had like a large fake spider in the bathroom. What at the one hell? Point. Yeah, they beat her with sandals. They choked her through her, knocked her front tooth out by throwing her down several, several steps. Um, both that was a turban child, or that was not a turban child. That was not the okay. not a turban child. Um, I believe that's the five-year-old. They, both the parents, uh, husband and wife, are certified foster carers and were approved to take in the Turpin children by the Riverside County Children's Services Division. Wow. Um, so it does say um, one of the girls, this is one of the Turpin's girls, the daughter scratched one of the girl's hands. And then when the girl, the Turpin daughter, was holding a metal coin, like, kind of pushed her hand toward an outlet and asked her if she wanted to get shocked. The Turpin girl did that? Uh, no, that was the, the, the oldest daughter of the foster parents did oh, that to a Turpin wow. girl. They encouraged two of their foster children to fight each other, calling one a filthy a-hole and mother effer, while another was told she'd end up a white piece of 
S on the curb, like her biological mother. And it's again, it's not clear if that's a turban child or another one, because they had five, like I said. Um, they dragged one of them by her hair, which resulted in her hair being pulled out. Um, they were often seen with their, a neighbor said they were often seen with their foster children until March 2021, when police arrived at the home and arrested them. They sold their home for 500000 the following month, and they moved into the property right next door after being released on bond. Mm. So I'm guessing that's some kind of, like, they don't live here anymore, so people will go away, but really they're just right next door. Um, all three are set to be arraigned, I believe, this week, um, and the father is facing a life sentence if he is found guilty. Um, and it was Jordan who, the one I said that... Um, they're the two girls that are giving interviews. Jennifer is 33. Jordan is now 21. It was Jordan who made the phone call when she was 17. Oh, wow. Um, the other children, the, the ones that are adults, are also um, facing difficulties because they are being denied funds that were, like, set up by, like, a GoFundMe and stuff. They can't access that money. Um, they're completely unadjusted to independent life. Like Joshua, one of he's a 29-year-old. He said he'd been denied funds to purchase a bike and was told to Google it by his public guardian when he needed help. Um, Why are they being denied Jordan, the funds from the GoFundMe? I don't know. And Jordan said that she was completely unprepared for em- independent life when she was sum- summarily tossed out of a foster home when she turned 18. Um, yeah, they don't even know what basic stuff is like doctors and medicine. No. Like, of course they don't no. know how to function in a normal world. Right. Yeah, so um, according to Jordan, the, pa- the Turpin parents justified the horrific abuse by quoting from the Bible, telling the children that they would be even be justified if they killed them. Good Lord. Um, and she said when she was, she told the story of how she called 911. She said, my whole body was shaking. I couldn't really dial 911. I think it was us coming so close to death so many times. If something happened to me, at least I died trying. Um, so yeah, so they have... Unfortunately, despite having been taken out of the first abusive environment, the, the six minor kids have been placed into a new abusive environment. And I don't know where they currently are. I hope there was somebody that's safe. But the children were aged at the time of the rescue between two years old and 29 years old. There's got to be some uh, lawsuit in the works for this. Yes. They deserve to own Riverside County yeah. um, when this is over because this is just horrific and it, the foster care system unfortunately is awful there it's are absolutely there awful. are many many people there are many many people that do mean well and that do provide wonderful homes I was in foster foster care when I was born before I, my parents were allowed to take mm-hmm. me home when I was adopted um, and I, I mean I, I was only like four months old when I went home with my parents but like by all like we 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 met up with my foster parents when I was older. Like, it was a safe environment. There was nothing wrong with that. And there are many, many foster homes like that. Unfortunately, there are also many where it's they slip through the cracks yeah. because the government will give you money, the state will give you money to be a foster parent, and people will... Lie and do all kinds of things yeah. to pretend like they're good parents in order to get certified right. for that. I've definitely heard in that. In order to just get the paycheck. Yeah. And, and it's just... It's horrific. So yeah, that I saw that and it was just That's awful. That's absolutely awful yeah, terrible. to go through that kind of torture. So, and I started yeah. to think to myself too and I was like, gosh, if I'm 25 years old or 20 years old and I'm suffering from this, I'm going to run away. 
I'm not going to stay and take that kind of stuff. But then you have to think about it from the perspective as these children have been suffering from this abuse since they were infants, since they were very, they very small. So they else. don't know anything else. And they've gotten to the point right. where it's like Stockholm Syndrome. You think that these are your parents and you have to listen to them and you don't develop and form independent thought because you're not taught to do that. Well, you've never been around somebody else who's had a different yeah. thought. And Jordan, which, you know, she's, she had never spoken to anybody outside of her family before when she called 911. Yeah. You listen to, I mean, you can, her interview with, I think, either Dateline or 2020, you listen to her. She does an interview with, I think it's Diane Sawyer. And you listen to her talk and you're just like, everything she says is like, she's so awkward because she's had right. no interaction besides with right. her siblings. It's so weird to right. hear her talk. And she's had no, I mean, and she's had, she's had no interaction except with her siblings and the siblings have had no, no interactions except with each other. So there's nobody that has an outside perspective on anything except for the parents, which are abusing yeah. them. And I heard that girl, the one that escaped, she really likes Justin Bieber now. Like, that's her thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, I heard that. I was like, oh God, that's what she's taken on. As her. I mean, that's like, she, yeah, she's like perfectly that age group. She's like 21 now. So that's like right within that yeah. age range of people that like him. But she's, I think. I think, met up with a police officer who first showed up on the scene, one of the first responders, and thanked okay. him. And, like, they've developed kind of a special little bond is what I was, right? what I heard. So it's interesting. Um, I wish these poor children the best of luck. The parents, like, yeah. lock them up and throw away the key. You don't deserve to be yeah. out in society when you do things like that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, anything else you want to add before we wrap the episode up? Nope, that'll do it. I thought it was interesting that the mom is at Chowchilla Prison. We did an episode on Chowchilla. Oh, the father, yeah. The father is in, like, protive custody in the, in the state prison that he's in. He's not in general population. I can't imagine why with that mm-hmm. weird haircut. <laughs> yeah. Gee, Christmas. I don't think. I think he is, like, he's being, I like, um, separ- segregated or whatever for, like, his safety. Yeah. Obviously, (laughs) if you see this guy, you understand why we'll post some pictures, but I mean, it's just an all around, just a really, really bizarre story. And I remember when I first heard about when it first came out, I was a little bit reminded of, remember we did the case about the Fritz. I was just kidnapping case, like the case in Austria where he abused his own daughter and like he was sexually abusing and raping his own daughter. And Mm -hmm. I don't know that that sort of thing was happening, although there is lewd acts upon a minor that was thrown into that. And who knows what kind of other abuses these children suffered. But those were the ones that the parents were prosecuted for were like the torture and the neglect and the abuse, like the physical Mm -hmm. abuse, like hitting and strangling and pushing downstairs and things like that. But just truly, truly horrific um, that there was yeah. all that involved. And it sounds as though this these two seemingly normal people had a whole secret life going on with gambling and doing, you know, sexual right. things of a sexual nature with a bunch of random people and just all kinds of weird, strange, bizarre little facets of this relationship. And yeah. then you start to think, why? Yeah, that's the thing that... I think it makes this case so I think that's the thing that draws people to this case because they there is no explanation no, and they really haven't offered one up they basically said this is how no. God told us to raise our family this is how we were just trying to do well and we didn't intend to hurt anybody and we just wanted to raise our kids right and it just is so wild like really you're gonna raise right. your kids right by starving them and allowing them to bathe once a year like how did yeah. you ever 
come to the conclusion that that is the way that you raise a child by letting them piss and crap in their own bed and not go to the bathroom like a normal person you were raised normally you know what it means to be raised normally and being chained to a bed and forced to pee and poop on yourself is not being raised right. normally. You know perfectly and to well. ask permission to go to the bathroom or ask permission And I think that's why the judge yeah. kind of threw the book at him. Absolutely. Because you know what's normal. Have. I can understand if you're in a situation where you were abused horrifically and horribly yourself and so you don't know what it means to be normal. But to be a normal person and be raised normally. And the thing is, we don't know a tremendous amount about how these two were raised. But I, I honestly doubt there was anything like this, of this magnitude going on. Right. Well, they seem to have, at least David seemed to have somewhat of a traditional upbringing. Louise was abused by a family But there's no excuse for the kind of things that they were doing. I'm not not making excuses. I'm just saying, like, they, from everything we know about them, they had traditional upbringings in the sense of going to school, taking care of themselves, taking care of each other. Having proper hygiene, eating properly. Having friends, socializing. Yeah, like all of those things. So, yeah. In any case... We're going to wrap it up for the day. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can shoot us an email. We're at thebfdpodcast at gmail.com. We will throw all of the articles from today's show into the show notes. Darcy, what's our social media? Yeah, we are at the BFD Podcast on Instagram. So we will post the pictures. Um, I believe, as far as I know, all the pictures that are out there all have the children's faces blurred. Um, With good reason. Except for the... Right. Yeah, yeah, except for the ones where the the older ones are now currently doing interviews. But yeah, we'll we'll post the pic- the creepy pictures of them at um, Disney World and their wedding, and because they renewed their vows like three yeah. times, and they made all of the kids dress on like the same. It's super yeah, weird, super creepy. Yeah. And please join us again next week when we talk more about more about weird, wacky, and wild cases. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye.